Hi, and welcome to the Expand Your Frame podcast. I'm your host, John Sigmund, and in this episode, I'm chatting with Tiffany Lee. Tiffany is an expert in body language and interpreting body language and is also a leadership coach. So I've been fascinated to hear from her and learn a little bit more about her perspective on body language and how we should be paying attention to that in our coaching and just in our everyday life. So join me in welcoming Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you so much. Love to be here. Hey, listen, it's great to have you. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. And, you know, it's been a a while since we connected with one another from our uh, previous employer, the Henry M. Jackson Foundation for the Advancement of Military Medicine. Yes, it has been years. (laughs) (laughs) And what a mouthful, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, where up here where I am, uh, I'm in central New York, as as you know, and it's Mm -hmm. it's been a little bit of a weird weather uh, pattern we've been having here. It's been uh, a lot of snow, but then the last few days or so it has warmed up and now it's all gone. But I, I think there's some more snow coming through in the next few days or so. Mm-hmm. How are how are things down in beautiful Miami? Oh, John, I hate to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it is today it was 83 and a nice cool, well, what we call a cool breeze. Ah, oh, it's it's lovely. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, is it still are you still able to get out and get in the water any? You know, the water may be a little cool because it well, let me say this. I always say cool and people look at me like I'm crazy, but for our standards. The water may be a little bit cool because um, we, we've had like seven, a couple of days, it's been 70 or so. So the temperature has dropped, but people are still out there in the water on their boats. They don't care. Oh my goodness. Well, we, <laughs> still, we, we still have ice on the pond up here. So, oh um, no, I'm <laughs> we'll, sorry. Come visit. <laughs> we, we will, we will be joining you sometime in August. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, listen, uh, you know, it, it's been a little while, like I said, since we connected. What is it that you've been working on lately? John, I have been out in the world empowering women and other leaders about the power of body language, talking to them about ways to detect deception, how to build rapport, how to create connections, and even how to be more confident using body language and a couple other communication tricks I have, but the body language is, is the main focus for what I've been working on. Wow. I, you know, I, I had, I had no idea that you were working in, in that field. So d- tell me a little bit about what is it that drew you to, to that work? You know, it's funny because we met at HJF and yeah. I actually met the woman who trained me through a conference I went to um, when I was an executive assistant there wonderful CIO who we had said, find an executive assistant conference, find some kind of administrative conference to go to and go. And I went and the keynote speaker was Janine Driver. And she and I met and connected. I stood in line for like an hour or two hours just to meet her so she could sign my book. And we almost instantly became friends. And we started chatting and talking to each other. And she happened to be having a certification coming up in the next couple of weeks. I said, yes, I want to do it. I spent five days with her and a couple of other students, and we all got certified to teach, to learn and to teach this to the world. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. When you think back a little bit about when you first met Janine, 
was there something about her message or something about her way of being that attracted you? What was- it was listening to her speak. And of course, she was talking about how people in the, the administrative field and executive assistant, the power of body language within that. And I think it was just everything that I had been thinking about myself and wondering, like, why was I like this? Why was I always so observant? It all just really made sense and connected. And once I figured that out, that was what kind of drew me to her. Cause I'm like, I've always been observant. I've always been perceived as quiet. I'm not quiet, but I'm just always watching. And, and I've always been able to kind of read people or connect with people. I'm the one who can go out and not know anybody and sit at a bar by myself and leave with 20 friends. And so everything, it kind of was like a full circle moment. Everything just made sense. And so I was, I just had to meet her had to learn how I can get more information about the world of body language, emotional intelligence, you know, even, believe it or not, even understanding handwriting. Yes. Wow. You know, one of the things that you you mentioned in, in the list of things that body language relates to was this idea of connection. And, you know, when it comes to connection and body language, what is, what's been your experience and in, in how someone like me should think about body language from a connection and a human point of view. Right. I think about it in a sense of body language is your secret weapon to help you build connection. And how does that, how does that happen when you learn body language? So let's say you're in a meeting, right? And you're, you're giving a speech or giving a presentation and you, you're looking at the people in the room and everybody looks okay. You see some people with their hands in their pockets. You see some people maybe with their hand on their chin. You see some people maybe looking, looking at their laptop or doing something. But when you know that, okay, if I see somebody who all of a sudden put their hands in their pockets, that can mean that they didn't like something I said or they have some kind of issues with something I've said. So let me reach out across the room and say, hey, let's say, let's say the person's name is Joe. Joe, what do you think about what I just spoke about? And just being able to know that when you see that slight movement, that could be an, a trigger for somebody, not necessarily in a bad way, but just we call them hot spots. So that could mean that they feel some kind of way about something. You stopping and asking that person what they're thinking, that's the way to build the connection. Well, you know, I have never really thought about it from that point of view. So I think what you're suggesting here is that by paying attention to body language and just learning a little bit more about it, it gives me another set of lenses to actually even communicate with other people, just not, just non-verbally. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Hey, you know, do you have an, do you have another example maybe on the other side? So you mentioned the example of someone kind of sticking their hands in their pockets and that may be indicating that they're not happy or they're confused about something that you said. What would be an example or two of when people are resonating with the things that you're saying to them or, the, or, or they're kind of tuned into what you're talking what about? You're saying. Right. Of course. So you can, you'll see people nodding and I, and I tell people, this is how you can also build a connection. So the things I'm going to tell you that you may see are also things that you can do when someone else is speaking or when, when someone else is doing something, you can give, you can nod three times. So that kind of, that's kind of slow nod. Yes. I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying. I'm listening. You can do a kind of head tilt to the side to expose like a little bit of your neck. That's when we expose our neck, that's a vulnerable area. So all of these messages are sent on a subconscious level. So it's not like you're necessarily going to say, oh, they showed me their neck. So that means this, it's not something that you may realize unless you, unless you know what you're looking for, but these these things send subcon- subconscious mes- messages. So when you see that, 
that's a way of somebody saying, okay, they're understanding what I'm saying. And especially if they are, let's say somebody has been in a room with you the whole time and they are the type of person who sits one particular way the whole time. If they stay that way the entire time and do not move from that spot, that could possibly mean that they are in agreement with what you said, they're on board, but the we call that their baseline. But the moment they shift or move from whatever their baseline normally is, that could be your indicator that something else is going on. So when you don't see that, that's showing you, okay, I'm good. Everybody's agreeing. We're all, we're, we're in the same direction. And then, you know, asking questions, of course, always help. But just from that nonverbal point, those are the type of things that you want to look for. Is there anything magic about nodding three times? You know, when you, because sometimes you see people do something really quick, like, yes, they'll just shake their head twice. And it can sometimes seem ingenuous. But when you kind of do that, yeah, I really understand. It's like, think of when somebody's telling you a story and they nod and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. We kind of tend to nod more than just twice. So adding that extra third one in there just further accents and accentuates that I'm really paying attention and I'm understanding. And I even tell leaders to do this when you're having conversations with staff, when they're speaking, nod, let them know that you're listening, let them know that you're paying attention. And once again, it's on that subconscious level. And you'll be surprised the difference that it makes in creating those connections. You know, one of the audiences that listens to this podcast are are coaches. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, a key coaching competency is, you know, sort of acknowledging things about your client, right? Your client gets emotional and just, you know, leaving space for and acknowledging that emotion. And I think what you're suggesting here is, you know, this is another toolkit that coaches can use, you know, if I notice, for example, uh, someone crossing their arms when I'm asking them a question, then that gives me some data. You know, I could ask them, you know, I noticed that you're crossing your arms. Is there something going on? So let me tell you real quick, that's the biggest body language misconception out there. <laughs> I'll just use that as an example, but yeah, please no, but go I, right ahead. People, people feel that all the time. So I'm, I'm just giving you guys a quick tip about the crossed arms. So when we, when we cross our arms, we are subconsciously using both sides of our brain. That's one option. Or we're, so we're thinking about something or it's a pacifier. And anytime us, we touch our skin to skin on different parts of our body, that's our internal way of kind of giving ourselves like a self hug. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're closed off. And I always give the example of when you see two examples, when you watch those crime investigation shows and they're standing over the crime scene and their arms are crossed, are they closed off or are they thinking? Right. Does it look like they're closed off? No, they look like they're trying to figure this thing out. Another example I give is in a lot of the business magazines. What are they doing on that front cover? Arms are crossed and they're smiling. Do they look closed off or do they look like they're confident and they know what they're doing? Yeah, yep. exactly. And I, I think you pointed out something else here that's really important. So that's why as coaches, we don't ask someone, hey, I notice you crossed your arms. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Ask, hey, I notice you crossed your arms. What's going on? Exactly. Oh, I'm exactly. just thinking about it. Or hey, maybe they are upset. I don't know. But we have to ask. Right. You can ask. And then I tell people to look for clusters. So let's say you see somebody do one thing. So we've got, I mean, there are over 5,000. We would we would be on this podcast forever going through all 5,000 <laughs> different wow. moves. But let's say, for instance, you see somebody do something we call a lip withdrawal. It's kind of when you pull your lips back in uh-huh. and like you're hiding your lips. So we say in that, when you see that, when we don't like what we see or, he, what we see or hear, 
our lips disappear. So as a coach, if you're coaching a client and you see someone do that, you don't even have to say out loud, oh, I just saw you withdrew your lips. What is, what's going on? But what you can do is note that mentally and see if they do anything else and then tailor your conversation or know when to pivot the conversation to ask the questions, to pull more information or to, to get to what the root is that's causing them to have some kind of emotion at that particular moment. Is there a resource or is there a place for people like me who don't know that much uh, about this topic to go to get just some education about the basics? They can reach out to me. <laughs> how, how can people reach out to you? Two ways, the two easiest ways. Instagram is one. And my, my name on there is The Real Tiff Lee. Super simple. Or they can go to the website, which is thebehavioralfactor.com. Either one of those ways are going to be your best ways to reach me. All right. Fantastic. So can, can we just shift gears for one moment here and talk a little bit about leaders uh, in organizations who might learn something from techniques like what you've described? So, uh, you know, our audience is uh, coaches and leaders who use coaching as a way to lead and manage others. So what would be some advice you might have for just frontline leaders who are navigating through a lot of change in their organization and they lead a team. Uh, so what should they be looking for and how can they use some of the things that you've talked about today to, to kind of further their objectives? I would say for leaders, definitely for one, to start to work with someone who can show you these moves. But then once you start to learn them, to start to see them in yourself, once you start to see that, okay, like I was just talking, we were talking about the lip withdrawal. If you know a lip withdrawal means somebody doesn't like something that they see or hear, start noticing when you do it as a leader. Because when we start to embody these moves and recognize them in ourselves, it then becomes 10 times easier to recognize when someone else is doing them. Because what you're essentially picking up on, like I said, is these hot spots, these emotional triggers. And when you start to realize, hey, I do this when this happened. Or I noticed I, I, I did a lip withdrawal when somebody was talking about the budget. When you're in a meeting with a client, you can then say, hey, they just did a lip withdrawal. There's something going on there. Let me, let me slow down. Let me pay attention. Let me ask those wonderful questions that coaches know how to dig and ask for. That is going to be, for me, I always tell people that's the first step to start to learn it and understand it for yourself and the impact it has on you. And then it becomes much easier to see it out in the real world. Yeah. You know, as you were describing that, I, an image flashed in front of me of having like a dashboard almost, mm -hmm. you know, you're in a meeting with a, with a bunch of uh, people and all they're sending you all these different signals. And if you know what you're looking for, then you can make sense of what's in front of you. But if you're not, then you're kind of oblivious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. These are just tools and tips that to help, you know show you what people are really thinking. And a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing these moves. So it's not like somebody is saying, oh, I'm going to put my hands in my pockets because I'm upset. The body just does them. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned the word hot spots a couple of different times. And I think I know what you're talking about, but could you uh, define that a little bit more? Sure. So the hot spot is going to be the move that shows you that there was a change. So like I was talking about before, people's baseline, when you see someone deviate from their baseline, so let's say you're someone who always sits with their hands in their pockets. I'm going to flip it the other way. So somebody always sits with their hands in their pockets and you're having a conversation or you're talking about something. And then all of a sudden, 
maybe they take their hands out of their pockets. That could be considered a hot spot because it is deviant from their baseline. Gotcha. All right. So I think yeah, I translate that into my coaching language. And I call that a shift. Would that yeah. be accurate? Perfect. Hey, I've noticed a, I've noticed a shift in how you're sitting today. Perfect. Exactly. That's what it is. Hey, terrific. So where are you going to go from here with, with this work? Uh, and, and, and what are you doing with some of your clients right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I am really working. I've, I've worked with lots of amazing clients and I've, I've noticed a lot of things. I have noticed that women struggle sometimes with the confidence piece, what that looks like. They struggle with sometimes having those difficult conversations, especially if they are the only, maybe the only female, let's say they're the only female on the board and they need to, they need to be seen and heard and they feel maybe intimidated or inferior. So when I come in and, and teach them these moves and how to sit, how to stay and how to walk, how to perceive when the other people in the room may have something going on, that just elevates their confidence. I mean, because I know for me, when I learned all this body language information, I started to walk different. I started to talk different. And that opened doors and exposed me to so many more things. I just want everybody, and particularly I am a little biased, but I particularly want, I want <laughs> women to, to feel that and to know that when you learn these things, it helps in all areas of your life. And I say all areas from the boardroom to the bedroom. That's my motto. It, it works everywhere. Yeah. You know, I, I so appreciate that perspective and that part of your work in, in trying to empower women to be more confident. I, my belief is the more we need so much more of that uh, right? in our world. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I just want to ask you about with the body language piece of things, because I think you we're kind of talking about it from a different perspective right now. And that is uh, power posing and uh, sort of how I can create an energy or a, a, I can create my own confidence by how I hold my body and position exactly. my body. Uh, so could you just speak just a little bit more about that? That is, is a part of this conversation. I think that uh, sometimes is missed, right? That, you know, if I'm feeling out of sorts or I'm feeling like I'm not being direct enough, or I'm feeling like I'm not in a collaborative mood, there are some things that I can physically do myself that can generate that kind of energy. So I'm wondering if you could just speak to your experience with that aspect of body language. Yes, absolutely. I always tell people like, so let's say you're going in for a big presentation and you're nervous, right? And you don't want to show those nerves. A common thing. thing. Right. <laughs> the first thing I want, and it's okay to be nervous. That's one thing I, I tell my clients, they think they're not supposed to be nervous. Every time I get up and speak, and I've done it hundreds of times, I get nervous all the time. But what I always say is you find a corner or you go into a bathroom and you just shake your body like really, really hard. Or if you want to do jumping jacks, you do something in there to release that energy because that, that nervousness is nervous energy. So you do that, you shake it off, you take a couple deep breaths. And then when you walk out there on that stage, you walk out with your head up. And I say, and I tell people, walk out with your, your chin level. Try not to put your chin too high up because then you could be perceived as looking down on people, but, and pull those shoulders back. And that will just start to make you feel more confident. And you'll definitely be perceived that way. They won't even know that you're nervous. If you walk in with your chin level, those shoulders back, your hands out of your pockets, you can either swing your arms, put one hand on your hip, both hand on the hips, do the Superman pose. You will start to feel 
more confident and those nerves will start to dissipate just from the way that you move your body. I 100% believe that. And, and, you know, it's funny that you even mentioned that technique and I've never really shared this out loud with anyone else. That, that is almost precisely what I do. If I have a big keynote or something where my nerves have just gotten the better of me, I just, I shake my arms up and down and kind of jump up and down pretty vigorously. Mm-hmm. And it, it does have that impact of kind of pulling that extra nervousness away. And I'm often left with just enough to send that blood to my brain so I can be on point, et cetera. So, you know, exactly. I, I really, I'm a huge believer in that technique. I think that that, at least for me, works brilliantly. It really does. And you, you see athletes do it. If you watch when, like when a basketball player or football or whatever is your sport before they're about to go out, you'll see them, especially um, what are they, boxers. They do it a lot. That is true. They they shake it out. That Yes, they're warming up the body, but they're still shaking out those nerves, that energy. Or And it also helps you start to get excited. You know, when you move your body, you move your mind. That, that's kind of, that's what we say. Ah. So that is how you start to release that energy. I, I love that. And you're, you are so right. You know, whenever you see, you see these athletes just kind of jumping up and down in place, you know, and flapping their arms around. And, mm-hmm. you know, I often thought it was just kind of excitement in some ways, but it's that plus they're just trying to get rid of that extra nervousness. Exactly. And it, it works. It works. Wow, that is so cool. And John, can I give your audience another tip? Please. If you don't mind. Absolutely. So we're going to pivot a little bit from body language and talk about words. Because I, I, when I want to talk to coaches, I love to, I love to t- give them tips about words too, because words are things you're going to hear people say, and they can have dual meanings. So the first one I want to talk about is anger. Okay. Anger is a secondary emotion for fear, sadness, and anxiety. And just let that sink in for a minute. So think about when you're working with your clients. And they may come in upset. And on the surface level, all you see is that anger. But now you know that anger can really mean fear, sadness, and anxiety. So you can tailor your questions. You can tailor your sessions with your clients differently when you know that that anger is coming from another place. When I yeah. learned that, my mind was blown because I remember <laughs> I, was, I was diagnosed with lupus in 2009. And when I first got sick and was in the hospital, I was not the ideal patient. <laughs> I, will, I am so sorry to the doctors at Georgetown. I was horrible. I was so angry. I was so upset. And then when I learned that, that particular phrase, that, oh my goodness, anger, that's what I was feeling. Fear. I was afraid I was going to die. Sadness. Why am I in my young 20s and I'm this sick? Anxiety. Why am I in the hospital for three months? All of that, but it only showed as anger. So I always tell people, when you see someone that's angry, your first response may be to match them with that anger, but take a step back and realize that it could mean something totally different. Gotcha. So pull back the layers. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm bored is another phrase that people use. <laughs> I'm bored. Well, I'm bored also means I feel lonely, small, or less than. Imagine if people, imagine if all the leaders listening to this podcast right now took that back to their, to their clients, to their staff. And they had a conversation and they heard somebody say, I'm bored. I feel lonely, smaller, less than. That totally changes the conversation. No, you don't need more work. Let me figure out what's going on. I think sometimes as leaders, we often forget that we, well, 
we carry these biases and you know somebody says i'm bored and we automatically assume that we know what that means and if we do what you suggested which is to pause for a moment and maybe mm -hmm. just ask them you know i'm not sure what do you mean by bored right right well right. Maybe, and maybe they'll tell you, well, you know, I'm feeling a little isolated over here because nobody else is coming into the office. I, I seem to be the only one. Exactly. And they may not even know what they mean when they say that. That's the right. how it comes out. So you as the coach or the leader, it's your job, the job to dig a little bit deeper. But at least now you know when you hear that to dig a little bit deeper versus hearing it and just assuming it means one thing when it may not. Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, I wonder if there's any key message that you feel like you want to give to people before we close up our conversation today? Realize that things are not always about one perspective. That's my, that's my biggest, my biggest takeaway. The biggest thing I want people to know, be open to viewing things from different perspectives. Because as you can see, just in our conversation, we've discovered three or four things that we thought meant one thing and then really can mean something else. And imagine the impact that that can have on leaders and coaches and even teachers in school. Well, I'll tell you, as, as you were saying that, I'm just overcome with uh, just emotion hearing that because I, my belief is that if all of us were to do that, the world would be a much better place. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today. Your message certainly resonated with me in a deep and profound way, and I know that it will with others. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It has been a pleasure to chat with you and to catch up after all these years. <laughs> all right. Well, this uh, let's let's keep the conversation going. Uh, let's make it less than five years in the future. How about that? Absolutely. That sounds great, John. All right. Talk to you soon, Tiffany. All right. Thanks. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm really grateful to Tiffany for coming on air and sharing some of her experiences with us and for correcting me on a, an assumption that I've carried for a long time about what it means when people cross their arms. So it's just a perfect example of no matter how much we think we know, there's always something more to learn. So I'm enormously grateful to Tiffany for joining us today. Please feel free to reach out to her or to me if you'd like any information on this podcast or this episode or anything that Tiffany's working on in particular. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.